0: For the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your life is in the hands of a god who never sleeps fear not little lamb for the kingdom belongs
1: A God who never
0: sleeps. Hey, and welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. And I'm Abby. And on this episode, we're tackling parenting during quarantine and some practical tips for Corona schooling, self-care, and just generally how to get through this. We also have a special guest with us today, Miss Carrie Baldwin, here to talk about her experience and lend practical wisdom that she's gained over the years as a working homeschooling single mom. Hey Carrie. Hey
2: Katie. <laughs> Hi, Abby. How are you guys? Good. Good. So glad that you joined us tonight. I've been I've been so excited um since we invited you on and you agreed to come on because I just um, well, I watched your webinar, which we'll get into a little bit and I found it so encouraging and, um, oh, shared it myself, but, uh, yeah, I just love having another gentle parent on here who has a lot to share about this topic.
1: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually, I'm sort of looking back at my experience in hindsight saying, Hey, thanks God for, for teaching me something that I can share with other people. Um I guess I'll explain a little bit about how I got into this. Um uh I've been well I've been divorced uh since 2016 and um and so I've been single and working from home since then. I have a blog named uh or called Mere Liberty it's uh mere liberty.com. and basically I'm an independent researcher and writer and sometimes podcaster. Um and so I do all my work from home. And, um, but I also homeschool my kids who, um, are, uh, they're, they're kids with trauma from, from the divorce and some other things. And, uh, they also have problems like ADHD and anxiety and depression. And so at any rate, you know, I got thrown into the deep end of the pool on this too, uh, except it wasn't in the midst of a, uh, global pandemic Um, but I've learned so much since, since then. And I've, I've learned a lot over the years and about how to actually deal with this. And so I thought it would be great for, uh, or a great opportunity for me to pass on some, some tidbits of information and some, some, some things that have helped me adapt, um, to this situation. So I'm super happy to be here.
0: Great. We're really happy to have you. And I agree. I think this is a very good opportunity. And I think many in our audience will really appreciate hearing your, uh, your tips about this.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing that I wanted to talk about, I mean, Abby, you had mentioned my, my little webinar, um, which I'm giving you guys the links to, so your, your listeners can go check it out. Um, but when I made that, that webinar, it was very impromptu, very informal. And um, I knew going into it that a lot of parents who are, you know, being thrown into the deep end of the pool here are now coming to realize, which is this isn't an easy thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. This idea of, of, you know, working from home and parent, not just parenting and educating your kids, but, you know, drawing those those lines between work and school and family fun and things like that. Um, and so I think, you know, now that, now that this has all happened, I've, I've wanted to say, okay, let's just start off with the obvious, which is that Corona schooling is not actually like homeschooling. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, just acknowledge that, that it's not, it's not the same thing, but there are some, some common things that homeschoolers go through that um, parents are, you know, with with their their kids home from public school are just now learning, which is some insecurities about their ability to do this, some, you know, yeah. maybe false expectations and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's been one of my biggest things. I mean, even for myself, and I have been a stay at home mom for a while so that that part of things and he's my son is only 2 so it's not like you know we're <laughs> doing any kind of formal schooling at all um but even in myself i can i can see that i'm expecting too much of myself uh under the weight of mm-hmm. everything going on and it's just stressing myself out it's stressing calvin out and i can see him respond to me so immediately he can feel my stress he can feel and of course you know I'm shorter with him I am like way not as patient mm-hmm. and I had kind of a moment of like like a mini meltdown I guess you could say of just feeling so so upset at myself for being for snapping at him Mm -hmm. and thinking man he's two and he's stressed out too he can feel what's going on you know we don't leave the house like we don't go anywhere and he he recognizes that we were just he was in the toddler class at school and now we don't go anywhere we don't even Mm -hmm. go to see Mimi and I had to kind of step back and say this is wholly unprecedented in our lives like none of us have ever experienced anything like this before and there's going to be tension and there's Mm going to be you've got to kind of like let go of expectations of normalcy here because it's not what any of us yeah
2: and really without the mental preparation that a lot of homeschool parents um i guess you could call it a luxury at this point right (laughs) Um, like you prepare to homeschool um, you're not usually thrown into it with a couple days' notice and sent home with some packets. So yeah. I think that um, I think that yeah. you have a great point, though, Carrie. That there's so many similar anxieties, and they're just mm-hmm. experienced more suddenly, maybe by parents having yeah. to suddenly do it.
1: Well, yeah, and I wanted to I wanted to actually, you know, put some names to some of those insecurities because I think it would be helpful. Um, mm. You know, uh, every. And just for just for a little bit more background information, my I was homeschooled in New Mexico before it technically became legal, uh, um, and I remember when when my parents were first homeschooling, there was absolutely no resources available, like. My parents and the parents with them were flying by the seat of their pants. And so they were pioneers and they paved the way. And now we have an like endless amount of resources, but, and that's good. But at the same time, because there are so many resources, one insecurity that parents are going to have is what if I pick the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing with my, you know, with their education and, you know, everybody's in a different situation. I know some people have, um, you know, their public school teachers are trying to teach them online or they've sent packets home or, you know, some uh, don't have any resources where they're trying to explore actual homeschooling resources. I mean, there's, there is a ton out there. And so I think one insecurity that parents will inevitably have is what if I choose the wrong thing? Um, you know, or what if this thing isn't going to work? That that what if, what if question in their head. And, you know, is that going to damage my child? Is that going to keep them from being able to be successful in the future?
0: Right. Um, and, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I just saw it was an article by someone that was saying like this, uh, the The homeschooling that's happening right now is going to set an entire generation of children back. Yeah. And I just l- thought, what a ridiculous, yeah, inflammatory thing to say, and mm-hmm. of parents that are already, yeah, terrified of that happening.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that's that's feeding a fear because you know, as parents, we want the best for our kids,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we're always faced with these decisions of. Is this going to really be the best for my child? And uh, you know, the 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 biggest hurdle I think that parents are going to experience with this is their own adapting to this. Like kids are resilient, even kids with trauma or um, you know autism or ADHD. I mean, they definitely have some more struggles, but kids are generally pretty resilient. And it's the parents who have, you know, their brain wired in so many ways yeah. for for so many years that are going to have to break some paradigms in order to make this work.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you know, so one of the things that I've allowed myself to do with my kids in order to get over that fear that my kids are not going to be okay because mm-hmm. I'm deficient in some way. Uh, because guess what, parents? None of us are experts in anything, in everything, and. Right. And so, of course, we you know we're not going to be able to be uh, professors in every single field for for our kids. Um, but one of the one of the things that I've done in order to kind of calm that insecurity is to say, look, your kids have an entire life ahead of them, and our job as parents is to train them up to be to become adults. And how many of you out there? How many of us? Um, knew when we were in elementary school or middle school or even high school that we were going to be in a particular career field and that was it. And that's exactly what happened.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I think most of us, especially if you're in the millennial generation, you got a degree in something, but you're probably not using it. Yeah. Right. And so there's time for your kids to figure out who they're going to be and what they want to do. Yeah. Um, And so take a deep breath. This this situation is not going to ruin your kids and you aren't going to ruin your kids.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things about that, that I just really want to encourage people to maybe honestly think a little bit more open-mindedly about in this season of like huge shift and change is um, to think a little bit more unschooly about this and oh, yeah. to look up unschooling resources and not that you have to unschool your kids not that everyone's going to choose that path but that to have a to maybe try and think a little bit more um a little bit less strictly about how you go about yeah school yeah
1: well, and it it raises a great uh, a great question about what education actually is. Mm. And you know, all of the homeschooling parents that I know who successfully homeschooled their are their kids, is um, that what they what they did with their kids was to teach their kids to learn how to learn. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't that the parents were teaching them physics and chemistry and biology and all of that. It was that they taught their kids how to learn so that their kids could learn it themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I know you, Katie, you brought up unschooling. We use, uh, we're not strictly unschoolers, but we do use the concept of unschooling, which is, Mm -hmm. um, I prefer the term uh, self-directed education. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we incorporate life skills into that. And um, in fact, one website that your listeners might want to consider is a website called uh, life skills you need.com. Oh cool. Um, and you know when I'm kind of uh out of ideas for, for what I need to you know teach my kids about how to take care of themselves I just go to that mm-hmm. website and be like, oh yeah, I gotta teach them <laughs> how to do that. Um and so and and that actually segues great into a myriad of, of subjects. Um and uh and so you can get creative with that. Um, but the other thing that I think sort of feeds the insecurities are the expectations that parents have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my first great big caution is to say, if your expectation that schooling from home is going to look exactly like public classroom learning, yeah. you're going to drive yourself insane because yeah. it, it doesn't look like that. It absolutely it it doesn't look like that and it can't it, it, can't. No, it can't it really can't yeah. in fact one of my one of my big fears that's is that the public schoolers who go through this experience are going to come out the other end having feel uh, or feeling like they were a failure so this is public school administrators teachers you know parents who send their kids to public school may come out of this feeling like a failure saying Hmm, maybe we need to actually regulate homeschooling, Um yeah. And and that's the exact opposite opposite of what actual education is. Like homeschoolers will talk about the difference between schooling and education, and so you know we don't need to have these super high expectations about um, about what what education looks like. Um, and but we there are ways that we can that we can educate our kids where we can know where where they're at what sort of progress they're making and that's the other resource that i wanted to recommend that we use is khan academy which is free mm-hmm. um, yeah. And one of the great things that i love about khan academy is that it keeps track of your students progress like i don't have to keep track of it i mean i obviously i check it but i don't have to do that manually the program does it for me um and so I can see, and it's also something that gives rewards to your children for, for their progress. And so they can really get into it. It's sort of um, gamified in, in, in a little way. But um, at any rate, um, you know, the other, the other thing that parents might want to consider, and this is really going to depend on, on individuals and in the states that you live in and what the requirements are, but one possibility, if your uh, public school teacher is is trying to school over the internet or is sending packets home, and this is all becoming overwhelming, uh, one thing you might want to consider is going ahead and pulling your kid out of public school and registering yourself as a homeschool, because often oftentimes the um, the state laws on on homeschooling are. Less stringent and give you a great deal more freedom to to move and and do what works for your family, and so even if you put your kids back in public school when they open up, um, right. at least you can relieve some of that that stress and anxiety and and false expectation being brought on by by the the public school system.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know why I hadn't considered that actually. That is a, <laughs> a clever idea. Uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah.
2: That was one thing I was. Um, thinking about the other day, just kind of along those lines is like, um, I just know so many parents who are so stressed out right now trying to make this work and Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that their kids grades don't suffer at the the end of the semester. And I think just a few encouraging things on that is one, I have heard, at least in my state, which is Florida, and I've heard from several of the other admins, just friends on Facebook, states are being very gracious, it seems like, with the grading scale right now. Your kids are not going to flunk a grade because they missed six weeks of school. And I really think that the school system will be understanding in that regard. Mm. But honestly, I just wanted to offer this encouragement to parents, even if they don't, A C on your kid's record is not going, it's not, it's not, it's not, they haven't served time. Like this doesn't follow them permanently. They will have a C and their mental health will be in a much better place for it. And so my encouragement, honestly, in that situation would be to take the C and go enjoy your summer. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And you know, that's, that's the other thing that that really is an important factor in all of this, which I think we tend to take for granted or even try and ignore, which is mental health yeah, okay. um, and especially your kids' mental health. And, you know, before we started recording, we talked a little bit about, you know, what our kids were were feeling during this, you know, this yeah. isolation, this quarantine thing. And, you know, your kids have different feelings and emotions about it. And I'm sure you guys have have talked about this before about how kids don't always have words to go along with their emotions. Yeah. And, um, you know, so part of, part of our, our education experience, I don't want to say schooling, but part of our education experience has been the kids learning how to become self-aware and, mm. and identify their own feelings. And Katie, I think you had put up a while ago, the, at uh, the emotion wheel.
0: Do you recall that? I, it's you know, I probably I probably did, but my memory yeah is like pretty shoddy sometimes. Uh,
1: well, um, you know, you can go Google it. It's it's called the emotion wheel, and it just basically it it gives you words for the things that you're feeling, and so we've used I've used that with with my kids to um uh to help them identify what they're feeling, and uh, you know, by the way, this is. I think really important for dealing with, um, some of those more negative th- feelings like anger. Mm. Uh, one thing that I've learned specifically with my kids is that when usually when they're angry, it's coming from a source of fear
0: yeah. and anxiety
1: yeah. and having some compassion, like our knee jerk reaction when somebody's angry is to sort of get angry back. Yeah. And it takes a little bit of practice on the parents part, but, um, responding to that anger with with gentleness and compassion and understanding and really asking questions about okay are you are you afraid of something what's what's going on here let's talk about it and just letting them talk about what it what's going on inside their head and their emotions and and things like that has a very therapeutic Mm -hmm. um, effect and that is so important like you will you absolutely will not get through this without your mental health and sanity intact. And so, you know, I know we, you guys had, had talked about um, wanting to talk about self-care and how important that is. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yeah. that, that is, it's, it's hugely important. You can't, you can't neglect it. You can't. Yeah.
0: No. And I think one of the things that just popped into my mind as you were talking and it, it does relate to self-care because self-care hel- helps you in this endeavor is, uh, the practice of being mindful mm-hmm. and like, I think one of the hardest things for me is that I hear these ideas and i like, yes, I get that. I love that. That's so good. That sounds really good. But then when I'm in an argument with my husband, mm-hmm. that's when you put it into practice, but that's when I forget like, Oh, this yep. is when it happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is when I'm supposed to slow down, take a breath and mm-hmm. empathize, you know, yes. or when, Calvin is just really doing whatever and making me whatever, you know, making right. me upset. And I'm Crazy, like, yeah. And it's this is a moment where I'm supposed to slow down and realize he's two, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not a, an adult. And even if he were, like, I'd still need to like check myself. Yeah. Um, and being able to have that type of like presence of mind is not yeah. possible if you're just going, 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 going yeah. with no rest. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. And well, one of the, one of the ways that, that we deal with that specifically in, you know, in my situation is with the scheduling. And, um, you know, when I say scheduling, I don't even mean schedule every single part of your day. Cause that, I mean, I'm an INTJ and I love scheduling, but I absolutely <laughs> hate <laughs> scheduling every single hour of my day. Um, so, you know, w- one thing that I've learned to do is to figure out, you know, what what parts of my work um, where I can afford to be a little bit distracted by and sit with the kids while they're doing their schoolwork and allow myself, give myself permission to be interrupted or distracted mm-hmm. during that, you know, that that block of time. And then, you know, during... And, and then I have a block of time that's dedicated just to my work and that's where the kids are doing more of their self-directed stuff. They're, you know, they're reading or they're exploring whatever it is that they want to, to explore, uh, which they talk about later after this block of time. But <laughs> during that block of time, it's dead, you know, I get to focus on, on my work and, um, but then our school day and our our schooling and work day, and then our family time and play time is completely separate. And, you know, once school is over, school is over. And once work is over, work is over. And then we are, you know, playing or having family time. Um, or, you know, maybe I'm taking some time for myself um, or whatnot. But, you know, you, you really need to be able to think about, uh, okay, this is school time. This is family time. This is me time. And if you're married you still need your your own time, yeah. right? It's not just time with your spouse, which you're going to need, but you do need time to yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think that's important.
2: That was actually one thing I was gonna suggest is especially if you have your entire family under mm-hmm. your roof indefinitely. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Having a schedule is really going to be vital, even if your kids aren't school-aged yet. I've found yeah. that just having some structure to the day um, yeah. in the morning, we go outside and then we eat a snack and then, mm-hmm. you know, i or whatever sets up your young child for success playing by themselves so that you can manage your expectations. I think right. that's one of the best things that you can do self-care wise is knowing what to expect, having your mm-hmm. family know what to expect. Um, and like you were saying, Carrie, like, if that means you have certain blocks of the time where you give yourself the mental permission to be interrupted. I think that alone can cut, if I'm, if I'm working on something and I'm focused and my daughter's interrupting me and I haven't crossed that line in my mind, I'm way more likely to snap. Right. But if I go, I'm doing this, she needs me. I need to just open myself up to being distracted and not focused right now. Maybe we rearrange our schedule to where that falls during nap time or however old your kids are. Exactly. Um, One thing that's helped us so much is having a, because my daughter's still young, having a firm bedtime that gives Mm -hmm. me a couple of hours after she goes to bed to focus Mm -hmm. on alone time, time with my husband, focus time with my husband Relaxing yeah. without having to parent at the same time. Um, no. And maybe if you have older kids, that block of time can fall earlier in the day. Um, the other thing I wanted to just mention along those lines is um, something that helps me because my husband actually does work from home a few days a week. He's home permanently now <laughs> until regular right. notice. But right. um, one thing that's really helped us within that kind of realm of managing expectations when everyone is under the same roof for several hours or most of the day is, um, and Carrie, I think you actually mentioned this in your webinar now that I'm thinking about it is giving people the freedom to walk away. If things yes. are starting to get heated, um, yes. because they will, they, <laughs> they will can't put more than two people under the same roof and right. expect things to just be cherry blossoms all the time. So right. when things do start heating up, just know yourself, know your humanity well enough to say like, yeah. you know what, I need a minute. Um, and if someone yeah. else says that to you, allowing them to walk away and
1: giving them that yeah. freedom. Nothing, nothing is so important that you need to have a heated argument that could actually hurt your relationship. Right. Um, you know, you you absolutely can afford to say, i need 10 minutes to cool off or mm-hmm. you know uh i'll tell my kids you you know you're getting you're getting agitated go for a walk um you know getting that space is absolutely so vitally necessary
0: yeah so yeah.
1: um one one other thing i was just thinking of abby as you were mentioning that um about living under the same roof um especially if you have parents who are accustomed to you know, working outside the home and, and kids who are you know normally in public school during the day. Uh, now that everybody's living under one roof, your house is going to get lived in, yeah. and it's going yeah. to become a mess. That's a great point. And um, and I bring that up because clutter can actually affect you, uh, affect your mental health as well. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we do on a regular basis is clear the clutter. Um, and you know make sure that that's staying under control throughout the day um because clutter can just become insane, and it will without you even realizing it kind of creep up on you yeah and yep. and, and it'll and it'll agitate you and you know if you're accustomed to living away uh, of working and schooling away from the house, you might have this false expectation that you still need to have your house spotless and every homeschooler will tell you that their house is almost never completely spotless. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, that, that can be a source of tension and it doesn't need to be. And I was
2: just going to make a practical suggestion along those lines. Um, we are currently, and it's working for us, it won't work for everyone because you know, people like to do things different ways, but we're following, um, a plan called cleanmama.com mm. right now. Mm-hmm. And it has just been one of the only things that's really worked for our family. It just has broken up into, um, like you do three or four things every day, like make sure your floors don't have crumbs on them, clear the clutter, yep. And yep. then there's one bigger chore that you do per day. So that might be vacuuming yeah. or mopping. Yeah. Or, so it just has made our household a little more manageable because yeah. I, um, not everyone is like this and it's, that's okay too, but I do get stressed and very overwhelmed by mess and clutter. And yeah. especially with so many people, we're eating all of our meals at home. We're like, right. everything is happening under this roof and um, yeah, it can be hard to stay on top of. and cause
1: a lot yeah. of stress. Yeah. Absolutely. And there they're also, you know, when you're when you're having to clean as you go and things like that, um, these are also learning opportunities. Like uh what I what I did with my my nine year old, right? Like he hates wiping off the counters. And so, you know, we talked about how why wiping off the counters is so important. And of course this coronavirus thing is is you know in the in the front of his mind right now and so we get to talk about well this is how germs are spread and so we just talk about these things as we're actually cleaning and guess what he's just had an, an education in how in in uh, uh how infection works and how the immune system works and and things like that so these are learning opportunities where you can actually be teaching your kids um about i mean that's science right there so right. check check the box right um you know, so you, you never realize how those life skills actually turn out to be learning opportunities where your kids are actually getting an education about, you know, why is it that we keep a house clean or, uh, or that sort of thing. So
0: yeah, I, think a, I think that's a great point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know you can do that with budgeting too. you can say well look we have to we have to watch our our budget now because you know maybe you 're a parent who lost your job, yeah, so get them involved in in how budgeting works that 's the life skill that they need
0: well, I think the the really great thing about that to me, and one of the one of the reasons that i 'm i 'm pretty convinced about unschooling or is self directed learning and all of that, mm-hmm. and just approaching life as learning yeah. is that um, it's so much more relevant
1: to your life. You
0: know why you're learning. And it's in, and honestly, you, it's, (laughs) you don't even realize you're learning things. Exactly. You know, it's just it. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things, actually, I wanted to go back to something you said about learning to learn. And I, and not to give like super pushback or anything but one of the things that kind of bothers me about that statement is that like humans are naturally wired to know how to learn like Mm. i watched calvin learn how to walk and now he's learning how to talk and he's like watching him in action is like watching a learning machine and he know he's doing it and as we're interacting with each other on a daily basis and as we're we run up against Uh, issues that we need to fix and uh, questions that we want answers to and interesting things that we are curious about like humans are just constantly learning yeah and when we allow that to happen naturally it's amazing the way that information can like affect your life rather than like setting down at a school book and trying to learn about germs and the, you know, vi- right. virology and how germs spread. And it's like, oh, this is really relevant right now.
1: Well, and the, the, other, the other part of that, Katie, though, is that when we learn how to learn, we're learning how we learn. Like the way I learn yeah. is different from the way my son learns, is different from the way my daughter yeah. learns. And so, you know, part of the whole home education process is actually learning something about, yourself uh, as a parent and how you learn and and watching your kids figure out how it is that they learn. Mm -hmm. And then when you spot that, you facilitate that. Um, So another resource that I highly recommend, which is uh, I think super helpful, is a book um, called How to Read a Book by Mortimer Adler. And um, he really talks about this whole process of learning how to learn. And he will actually... What's great about this book is he will actually take you all the way up through um, doctoral level reading and and comprehension and, oh, and cool. that sort of thing. So even parents can learn something from from this book. Um, and so I kind of use it as a, as a guide for being able to gauge where where my kids should be at based on you know reading and comprehension levels and things like that. Um, but you know a lot of like their self-directed learning is is hands-on stuff. I mean, before before we had the the stay-at-home order, my kids were out much more frequently than they are now. Um, or at least interacting more with other people than they were now, where they were um, you know, learning how to run a business. For example, like mm-hmm. they would, they would go around and they would offer their service to to people in our apartment complex. They would say, "Well, we'll take out your trash for for two or three bucks," and so they would go make money that way. And they Great. were able to. They they would start talking about, "Well, what ser- what other services can we offer, and how much can we charge for that?" And they, so they got to learn about, um, you know, cost and pricing and things like that. And that is where they come alive and actually, mm-hmm. and, and they don't have a book in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it when, and we've used resources to, to kind of guide them towards yeah. that. But when they're learning, they're they are doing something hands-on.
0: Well, and that's what's so cool about that too, is that there's always a place for book there's always a place for Mm -hmm. classes there's always a place for I see a problem I need to learn how to do this Mm -hmm. how am I going to learn how to do this and finding the tools and resources that are necessary to help teach that but you don't really get to see that blossom as much if you're not allowing that time of self-directed learning and letting them experience what problems they feel they are capable of solving and Mm -hmm you know, what things they're interested in solving. And, you know, I think that's, I really hope that people during this time can take encouragement in that and almost look at it like a really cool opportunity to allow their kids more time to investigate. Like, Mm-hmm. How do I do this? And what do I like to do? And what am I good at good at? It? And what problems in the world can I solve particularly? Right. What you know, yes. where do I fit?
1: Yeah, exactly. And um I while they're while they're doing that, while they're exploring all that, you're probably also going to have parents who are going, Well, how do I track progress? How do I know that my kids right. are making progress? And we're uh, Americans are, are a very data-driven sort of culture and especially public school. And, and, you know, the data that we get back is in the form of, uh, you know, letter, letter grades, Mm -hmm. which actually don't tell us a whole lot when you, when you break it down. But, um, there's another book that, um, that I've read called assessment 3.0, which sort of, and it's actually written by a public school teacher, but it takes a step back from, um, trying to assess your kids through grades, through, you know, a Hmm. hundred point system and how many points, you know, each thing was worth and and all that. And so he takes a step back and he says, there's a better way to assess whether your kids are actually making progress or not. And um, I won't get into the details because I think he does a better job of, of explaining it. But, you know, he talks about how he would have a conversation with his students Right, he would get a paper back or an assignment back, and he'd have a conversation with his students to actually see what it is that that stuck with them hmm. and where they were where they were making mistakes. Rather than marking them off and saying, "Nope, you're wrong," big right. red ink across your paper, um, he would say he would talk about that mistake and it, he would encourage the mistakes. And that's something that um, I think the public schools really have screwed up on is. Uh, discouraging making mistakes because yeah. mistakes are all a part of the learning process. Um, feedback. Yeah. In fact, one thing that I did with my kids um, a long time ago, and I know somebody else who did that, my sister-in-law actually did this with her kids, was our kids were so afraid to make mistakes that they wouldn't even try. Yeah. And so we spent several days saying to our kids, okay, this is what you're going to do for the day. You are going to try and make every, every, like no right answers <laughs> and not give us right answers. You have to do it all wrong. And what that actually allowed them to do, we did this on Khan Academy, um, and another program that, uh, I forget what it was, but anyways, um, what it allowed them to do was actually learn the system, learn, learn the Khan Academy system and how it worked. And so they would just put the wrong answers in. They would find out, oh, the system says, no, you got the wrong answer here. Watch this video or take the, you know, try a hint. Mm -hmm. And, and so they knew that if they made a mistake, that there would be a help there. Like Mm -hmm. they weren't just like, you know, red mark across their screen. right? Right. It was, there was a help there. And so parents, even as parents, we were like, oh, there's this really cool thing about the system. They get something wrong. Anyways, it was learning experience, but point is, is Allow your kids to make mistakes that's yeah. not a bad thing um, you know don't don't get upset when they come back to you and they're crying, and they're like "Oh i can't figure this out because that is that is a natural part of the learning process, like your brain has to go through that yeah mm-hmm.
0: actually, I have a funny um, little I guess, object lesson here, like something that happened today, actually, that's really illustrates this perfectly. (laughs) So Cornet, my husband, uh, works at a startup, and they are in the process of developing this web application that, um, and they're, you know, trying to get it going Mm -hmm. and get it, get it, you know, in the public consciousness. And so what they're doing is, um, onboarding people to use the product and give them feedback about it they'll have calls and share screens and kind of watch like okay and ask them questions what do you think the platform is wanting you to do now okay Mm -hmm. if you were to do like how would you do that and watching them like go through the screen and this the girl my uh my husband is talking to today uh was actually very nervous she because she thought it was almost like a test. Like, oh, let, let's man. see how good you do. And yeah. it was like, no, no, no. Like, don't just do whatever. I just, yeah. I just, I need to see actually where you go wrong because that tells us what we need to fix and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really interesting how you see people seize up when mm-hmm. they, Feel like they're being tested and how important it is for the people observing, but also for yourself yes. to see where the problems are. It's so important and it's just invaluable, that kind of information in every like, step of the learning process.
1: Yeah, well, and I've watched my kids go through this process of and uh, of accepting the fact that they make mistakes, and my my littlest is still struggling through this. In fact, one of the things that he does um, is we'll be sitting in front of the the computer, and I still have to sit with him when when he does his schoolwork, and I don't I don't do anything except sit with him because without me, he's he's anxious about it. But at any rate, he'll go through. The, the questions and he'll, he'll put an answer in that he thinks he's right. And he'll hit the, the, the enter key and he'll cover his eyes and he'll be like, mom, he'll be like, what does it say? Did I get it right? <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll tell him, cause I know that this is part of the, part of his fear of making mistakes. And so I'll <laughs> sit there and I'll say, nope, you have to look at it. You have to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so at any rate, um, but that can be it can be a long and slow process. And so, yeah. you know, um, especially if you're, especially if you or your kids are particularly afraid of making mistakes, mm-hmm. um, maybe even more so if, if you as the parent are afraid of making mistakes or afraid of yeah. your child making mistakes, this is, this is actually a long process of, of rewiring your brain. Yeah. Um, and so be patient with it mm-hmm. and, um, you know, number one, mistakes are okay. Allow them, don't get upset at them. Um, you know, I always tell my kids, mistakes are not the problem um, as long as you try to fix them. If you don't try and fix them, then then there's a problem. Um, but be patient with yourself and be patient with your kids. Um, you, this This is absolutely possible, but it takes a paradigm shift probably more so for the parents. Yeah, yeah.
0: definitely.
2: Um, one, one other thing we wanted to just touch on is actually something Katie and I had been discussing earlier today, and um, I guess it kind of fits in with the self-care bit that we were talking about, and that is just that if you don't feel okay right now, it's okay to recognize that and actually maybe even grieve a little bit of the things that you've lost, even if they seem, you know, inconsequential for a couple of months. Um, I know personally, just honestly, that is something I've uh, kind of been struggling with the last couple of weeks, and I kind of just recognized it in myself today, really for the first time, is that I, I don't feel okay right now. Like, I don't feel okay with not going to church. I don't feel okay with not being around friends. I don't feel okay with my daughter not being able to play with other kids. Like, things just don't feel okay or right. And to be honest, (laughs) that's because things aren't okay or right. Like, this is not how we as humans were designed to live at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a reason that you're feeling that way and um, that it's okay to embrace that. It's okay to not want to stay home. because that's not what we're supposed to do Um, and so yeah I just I don't know I've been surrounded I think by a lot of opinions on Facebook and just friends and I'm on staff at a church and we're trying to be okay you know and and navigate these waters Um, but yeah it's it's okay that this stinks right now for everyone yeah. Um, yeah Yeah. And Carrie, uh, before we started recording, had kind of talked about like the science behind that. And so I just wanted her to touch on that.
1: Yeah, well, I did. Um, I recently published an article um, uh, on Libertarian Christian Institute about the virulence of moral panic. And, you know, your listeners can go there and, and read that if they're interested. But I think that the the relevant takeaway um, here as far as what Abby's talking about is that um, the psychology behind viral infection and the human impulse to become afraid is completely understandable. Um, mm. I I do think it's being exploited a little bit uh, for m- malicious intent, <laughs> um, but you know when when you recognize that you're not okay you're you're making the first step to becoming okay yeah, yeah to to adapting to the situation and you know our one of our oldest enemies one of uh, one of human beings oldest enemies is viruses and pathogens um because you know they've evolved right alongside of us they're definitely a threat to us um but we've also adapted right we have evolved we're we're still here um and So there's, there's something about recognizing the fact that our bodies are equipped and designed to fight viral infections. They do adapt. Um, They adapt just like viruses adapt. This is a back and forth that's been going on for millennia or however old you think the earth is. Um, And, uh, um, you know, the point is, is that uh, it makes sense for you to, um, be afraid of the virus. It makes sense for you to also not be okay with, uh, the lack of human interaction because human, God designed us to, to, to live in community with one another. Yeah, And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you want to segue yet, but I do think it's a nice segue into the silver lining in that yeah. we can we can observe in this experience the value of living in community and the value of other human beings mm. and our our ability to interact with them um, and not take that for granted
0: yeah I think um, it's really interesting to me how these things are like baseline biological needs you know and fears and this is like all very primal stuff yeah and it's it does seem like in this modern era it's almost like we feel invincible in mm-hmm. a way like we have totally disconnected from those types of uh experiences and those types of yeah needs. like we are it's like we're very far removed from that type of uh, that area of us, that part of us. And yeah. it has brought up, I guess it's a, it's a really cool opportunity to observe how important those things are. Right. That our technology does not replace our relationships and, it mm-hmm. can't. and that, you know, we are not in control. That is yes. like one of the biggest things that I keep that keeps coming back to mind over and over and over. And it's been, you know, I've honestly been thanking God for this uh, in between moments of panic (laughs) (laughs) that that I, I'm realizing it's like hurricane season on steroids. You know, this Mm. is huge um, thing that we're looking at and that we have to like reckon with our mortality Mm-hmm. Our smallness, you know, there are so many things that are can be really, really frightening, but it's if we do take the time to sit and contemplate these things that it can be really, really beneficial to our human relationships in in our relationship with God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and you know, one of the things that that I've learned personally, because you know, after, after going through a divorce and some trauma myself, I've had to deal with panic attacks. Mm. And, um, you know, one of the things that has helped me cope with that um, is learning how to lament, learning, you know, Mm. reading Job and Ecclesiastes and knowing that, okay, the world is supposed to work one way, but it doesn't. Yeah. And even though it doesn't, God's got it in hand. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to sit there and think, "Did I do something to cause this? Is is this my fault in some way?" Mm. You know, it's um, it. It just is what it is, and God has it in hand. And you know, the the Christian view is definitely. This is a reminder: our lack of control, yeah. a, a viral pandemic, a uh, a shutdown of the economy, all of this stuff. It should remind Christians that this world is passing away, and our hope yeah. isn't in this world; it's in the coming kingdom. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, remind yourself of that. You can lament to God. You can you can take those concerns to Him in prayer and. And he will receive them.
0: Yeah, um, I think another thing, kind of uh, in the silver lining vein, uh, is just recognizing the. Honestly, it's really difficult, but the <laughs> it's the silver lining. Recognizing the silver lining. Recognizing yeah the, um how one yes we need people, but also it's. Re- really nice to not have so many obligations all the time right like that is also something that I have seen on so many Facebooks you know in mm-hmm. my, my uh, news like so many people saying like I don't have to go anywhere this weekend and that's actually a relief and mm-hmm. like remember that you know yep. like remember how how it does feel nice to not have to be somewhere all the time
1: yeah well, and I'm I'm having the opposite experience, Katie, because you know of I'm course. an intro- you know I'm an introvert. Yeah. And and I'm an INTJ. And as an INTJ, I I figured this out. I was like, oh crap, I can't believe this. Uh I realized so one of the characteristics of an INTJ is that we don't like arbitrary rules and we we're, we're very prone to rebel against arbitrariness.
0: <laughs> but yes. Yes. So it just okay. occurred to me. <laughs> Kone is also an
1: INTJ so I'm
0: familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so it just
1: occurred to me. It just occurred to me that the way that you make an INTJ and ENTJ is to make an arbitrary rule that you have to be an introvert. <laughs> so, Cuz right now I'm like right now I'm like okay, how can I socialize with my neighbors now? How can I like I'm like like my head is 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 like totally extroverted i'm like okay i gotta talk to my neighbors i gotta yeah. plan things in- and <laughs> yeah see i don't
0: think corne is actually dealing so much with that because and i'm like oh man i'm really i'm a little jealous and i'm really thankful that you have this <laughs> since his job is remote like already uh-huh. they have regular like daily calls like hour-long calls oh yeah and he's just having this good time like you know doing trivia games on fridays with his with his people oh, that's awesome and talking about his work that he's really enjoying. And I'm like, well, dang, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you have some, you know, social life. That's not about the coronavirus. virus. You know? Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Fun.
0: Oh, that's funny. Well, I think that's
2: a perfect place to wrap up and Carrie, thank you so much for joining us and just sharing some of the things that you've learned from doing this in the trenches yeah. for a lot longer sure. than a pandemic has been going on
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no problem I'm, I'm so happy that i could do it
2: all right well we will talk to you guys next time and hang in there until then
0: thanks so much for listening to tending lambs there's always so much more that can be said so if you'd like to continue the conversation please join us in the tending lambs facebook group we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash tending lambs instagram at tending And for show notes, our blog, and other gentle parenting resources, check out TendingLambs.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content, we now have a Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well sign up to support us at patreon.com slash tending lambs and as always until next time